Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Today you are going to discover an iconic jazz standard by Juan Tizo, Perdido. You're going to learn how to improvise over Perdido using arpeggio and scale motion with enclosures. And you are going to play Perdido using a classic and comfy Latin groove. So as I always like to say, regardless of where you are in your jazz journey, a beginner, an intermediate player, an advanced player, or even if you are an experienced professional, you will find this Jazz Panel Skills podcast lesson exploring Juan Teasel's Perdido to be very beneficial. If you are new to Jazz Panel Skills, if you are a new listener, I want to personally invite you to become a Jazz Panel Skills member. Visit jazzpanelskills.com to learn more about the abundance of jazz educational resources and services that are available for you to use. For example, the educational podcast packets, the illustrations, the lead sheets, the play-alongs that are available for Every podcast episode you can download and be using when you're practicing. The sequential jazz piano curriculum, which is a loaded, loaded curriculum with comprehensive courses using a self-paced format, educational talks, interactive media, video demonstrations, play-alongs, and more. You'll have access to all of the courses. As a Jazz Panel Skills member, you will also have access to the online weekly masterclasses, which, which are in essence a one-hour online lesson with me every week. You will also have access to the private Jazz Piano community, which hosts a variety of engaging forums, podcast-specific and course-specific forums, for you to enjoy day in and day out. And last, but certainly not least, as a Jazz Panel Skills member, you have unlimited access to unlimited private, personal, and professional educational support. So again, visit jazzpanelskills.com to learn more about all of the educational opportunities and how to easily activate your membership. If you have any questions, please, and I'm sincere about this, please do not hesitate to reach out to me and uh, allow me an opportunity to meet you and to help you. I'm always happy to help in any way that I can. Okay, let's discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Let's discover, learn, and play Juan Teasel's Perdido. We spent the month of April, literally the entire month, exploring inverted melodic shapes, which are the harmonic inversions. We explored the inverted melodic shapes for the major, dominant, and minor sounds. The focus of each podcast episode was to illuminate the oneness, the sameness of harmony and melody. The goal, and I believe I stressed it emphatically throughout the entire month over and over again, was and is to see harmony and melody as one. And likewise, I made a very important proclamation that if we are unable to see harmony as a roadmap, a blueprint to melodic invention, then any aspirations we have of being able to creatively express ourselves improvisationally are simply in vain. In other words, if you have a weak understanding of harmony, harmonic structures, and their shapes, then you will not learn how to improvise. Bottom line, if you can't spell the chords, if you can't see the chords and their shapes, their versions, in your mind while away from the piano, then you have some serious studying to do if you want to be a jazz pianist. This makes sense since harmony produces musical sound, major, dominant, minor, half diminished, diminished. It produces that musical sound vertically, 
And melody expresses that musical sound horizontally, linearly. I asked this question a couple weeks ago. Can a harmonic representation of a musical sound exist without a melodic representation of the same sound? And the answer is, yes, of course. Harmony can exist without melody. I also asked this question a couple of weeks ago as well. Can a melodic representation of a musical sound exist without a harmonic representation of the same sound? The answer is no. And why? Because harmony is the very essence of melody. In other words, we can, and with great accuracy, look at a melodic idea and pinpoint the harmony from which the melody flows. So after making a nexus between harmony and melody, we took four harmonic shapes, root position, first inversion, second inversion, third inversion, of each major dominant and minor sound and turned them into melody using ascending and descending arpeggio and scale motion. We established a very methodical and formulaic way of producing melody from harmony. And I want to stress again why this is so important. Why having a methodical and formulaic way of producing melodic ideas is crucial to your development. Because having a methodical and formulaic way of practicing any jazz piano skill, any jazz piano skill, makes it possible to replicate it from chord to chord and from key to key. No methodical, systematic, formulaic way to practice means that you have chosen to use a random approach when practicing. And unfortunately, you can't replicate randomness. And not only that, it is impossible for randomness to produce conceptual, oral, and physical memory. No conceptual, oral, and physical memory, no improvisation. Additionally, throughout the past three weeks, I stressed the importance of two musical facts. Fact number one, there are only two types of melodic motion in music, arpeggio motion and scale motion. Fact number two, there are only two directions melodic motion, arpeggios and scales, can travel, ascending and descending. So in other words, we create melodies, we improvise using arpeggios and scales that go up and down. <laughs> I wish I could make that, I really do, I wish I could make that more complicated than that because it would really be impressive, but I can't. We create melodies, we improvise using arpeggios and scales that go up and down. These are musical facts that every musician must adhere to when playing because that's all we have. Ascending and descending arpeggio and scale motion. But, and this is a big but, even with all of that being said, we found out over the past month that there are ways we can decorate or camouflage the arpeggios and scales so that, so that they do not sound like arpeggios and scales. The approach, the ornamentation that we used throughout the month of April was enclosures. And again, enclosures approach the selected target note using a lower neighboring tone, one half step below the target note, followed by an upper neighboring tone, the closest diatonic note 
above the target note. Typically followed by an arpeggio or scale motion. Now, enclosures do not have to always follow this rule of thumb, and I've stressed this in the past as well, but it's typically the format in which they are used. So after exploring the melodic shapes for major, dominant, and minor sounds, we then placed them, a couple weeks ago, we placed them, these shapes and these sounds, within the context of the most iconic jazz progression of all, the 2-5-1 progression. And today, we're going to take it a step further and play the standard 2-5-1 progression along with all of our melodic shapes and enclosures, we're going to place all of this within a song setting. And what better song to do all of this than Perdido? In fact, it's the perfect tune. Perdido is a standard 32-measure AABA form with the A section consisting of nothing but 251 progression, right? Consisting of a 251 progression with with a rhythm changes bridge utilizing pure circle motion and dominant seventh chords. So the agenda, the format for today is as follows. Number 1, I will be playing all demonstrations today in the key of B flat major, which I believe is the standard the standard key for Perdido. Number two, I am going to play Perdido using a basic Latin groove and a comfy tempo of, well, of 140 and 120. You'll see. I, I kind of mix it up a little bit. Now, keep in mind, this tune has been performed using every conceived groove possible, from standard Latin grooves to straight-ahead bebop grooves, and along with every imagined imaginable tempo from laid back and relaxed to high energy and intense. I'm keeping everything very relaxed today because I want you to hear the arpeggio and scale motion I am using and the ornamentation, the, the enclosures. So I'm keeping everything between 120 and 140 today, tempo-wise. I'm also going to be playing eight demonstrations today, focusing on various aspects of improvisation development, which, when all said and done, will give you a wonderful blueprint to use for developing jazz language. This is going to be a ton of fun today, but before we get cranking... I want all Jazz Piano Skills members, all of you members out there, to pause this podcast to print the educational podcast packets for this episode. The illustrations and the lead sheets for this episode will help you immensely, and I mean immensely, visualize and mentally process the Jazz Piano Skills I'm about to model in each of the following demonstrations. As I always like to say, a picture is worth a thousand words, and you are definitely going to want to have the podcast packets in front of you as I explain the various jazz piano skills. Likewise, be sure to use the play-alongs for this podcast episode too, right? Use those play-alongs. Bottom line, all three podcast packets, the illustrations, the lead sheets, the play-alongs, they're incredible and invaluable educational tools that will maximize your musical, your jazz growth, if you use them. Okay, so now let's check out the first demonstration. To begin, I just want to play Perdido. So I'm just going to play the head, one chorus. And again, this is an A-A-B-A form. So in essence, this, it's, you only have 16 measures of music to learn here, right? An A section and a B section. The A section is made up of 2-5-1, C minor 7 to F dominant 7 to B flat major 7. And the B section, as I already mentioned, uh, is, is rhythm changes, right? From I Got Rhythm, Gershwin's I Got Rhythm. So it's 
circle of fifths motion using all dominant seven chords. So the bridge is starting on the D7, going to the G7, going to the C7, going to the F7, which will take us back to our 2-5-1 uh, C minor, F7, B flat major in the last A section. So keep the form in mind, and I just want to play the head, the melody of Perdido, so we get this song in our ears. And again, I'm going to play this uh, tempo right now at 140. Okay, so here we go. Let's check out Juan Teasel's Perdido. smiling when you listen to Perdido. <laughs> if you're not smiling when you listen to that tune, well, I don't know. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, great song. So now I want to, for demonstration number two, I want to play the form of Perdido again, one course. And I am going to now improvise over the chord changes, over the 2-5-1 in the A section, and over the dominant seventh chords moving in circle motion in the bridge. Now, I'm going to improvise using only chord tones, or in other words, arpeggio motion only. And not only that, I'm going to use only the root, third, fifth, and seventh of each sound, of each minor, major, I'm dominant in major sound. Only the root, third, five, and seventh. I'm not even going to use any upper extensions. No nines, no elevenths, no thirteenths. I'm going to use arpeggio motion consisting of the root, third, fifth, and seventh only, ascending and descending. And I'm just going to see what I can come up with messing around with those chord tones and experimenting with various rhythmic motifs to create some melodic ideas. So let's bring the ensemble back in and let's check this out and then we'll talk about it. Okay, here we go. think right amazing only chord tones root third fifth seventh ascending and descending that's all I was using and I don't know about you but that doesn't sound too bad does it all right that's actually your first step with learning how to improvise using chord tones 
right? Using chord tones. It only makes sense. If you can't improvise using chord tones, it doesn't make any sense to try to add scale tones. And it certainly doesn't make sense to try to add non-scale tones. You know, I had a teacher one time ask me, said, Bob, how do you teach students to play wrong notes right? <laughs> Think about that, right? That's a great question. In other words, how do you teach students to play notes that exist outside the key, the tension notes, the, all the ornamentation, right? <laughs> the enclosures that we're about to look at, half-step approachments. Uh, all of those notes really, in essence, are, are stepping outside of the key center for the most part and creating tension. So his question was, how do you teach students to play those notes, those wrong notes, if you will, how do you teach students to play those notes right? And I said, well, the answer to that question is very simple. You teach them how to play right notes right first. And you can't get any more right than the root third, fifth, and seventh of each chord. So your number one objective, your number one goal in learning how to improvise should be to utilize the chord tones of each major, minor, dominant, half-diminished, and diminished chord that you are confronted with to use those chord tones to improvise, to create some kind of melodic motif using rhythmic variations. And that's all I did in that demonstration was to use the chord tones for each minor and dominant and major chord and was being I was being consciously aware of my motion, ascending and descending motion, creating a balance between those two. And I think it came out pretty good. In fact, I could go out and do a gig and improvise like that, and no one's going to say a word. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come off sounding fantastic. Okay, so now for the next demonstration, demonstration number three, I'm going to play Perdido again. This time, instead of using arpeggio motion, I'm going to use scale motion, right? The, the root, the third, the fifth, the sixth. Wait a minute. <laughs> leaving out some notes in there, right? The root, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh. The seven notes of the scale. I'm going to use scale motion. In fact, I'm not going to use any arpeggio motion. I'm going to make sure that I use only ascending and descending scales throughout the entire form, throughout all 32 measures. Ascending and descending scales. That's it. And I'm just going to focus on changing the scale rhythmically. And I'm going to be consciously aware of the balance between my ascending and descending motion. And I'm going to see what I can come up with. All right, so let's bring the ensemble back in. Let's listen to Perdido improvising using ascending and descending scale motion. No arpeggios and no ornamentation. Straight scales. Here we go. Let's check it out. Not bad, right? Not bad at all. You know, it's so, it's, it's so funny because quite often the solutions to the problems that we encounter in life, the solutions are right in front of us. 
are right before our very eyes and we don't see don't see the solution, right? Well, improvisations like that. As students, we struggle and we struggle and we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure out what notes what notes should I play? What notes do I play over that chord? <laughs> what notes? Are you kidding me? How about chord tones? How about the scale? The answers are right in front of us, right before our very eyes. So again, I don't know about you, but I, I think the demonstration of me improvising using chord tones only sounded pretty darn good. And I think the demonstration I just played using scale tones only sounded pretty darn good. So now what I want to do is I want to keep things pure, but I want to I want to uh, do a little combination. Now I want to mix it up a little bit. I, I want to include both arpeggiated, ascending and descending arpeggio motion, and ascending and descending scale motion. But again, I'm not going to use any ornamentation, right? I'm not going to use any enclosures. I'm not going to use any half-step approachments, right? I'm, I'm not going to play any wrong notes, if you will. I'm going to keep everything pure. Straight arpeggios, straight scales, ascending and descending. That's it. So now let's see what I come up with when I give myself a little bit more flexibility to allow myself to use a combination of arpeggio and scale motion. So here we go with demonstration number four. Let's check it out and then we'll talk about it. Here we go. Again, right? Not too shabby. In fact, I could go out and do a gig tonight and I could say to myself, you know what? I'm just going to experiment. I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to play every solo I take tonight. I'm just going to play pure arpeggio and scale motion. And I'll bet you anything that not one musician on the bandstand will say a word. Though I'll go like, yeah, awesome, man. You sound great. <laughs> And I'm just going to play, and I would just be playing arpeggio and scale motion. I'm stressing this point to you because that should be where your primary focus is as you're beginning to learn how to improvise and you're beginning to formulate jazz vocabulary for improvisation. You should be honkering down on those arpeggios and those scales. Okay, now with all that being said, now we're going to move into adding some enclosures, okay, to our uh, target notes, specific target notes within each sound within the minor, dominant, and major chords found within Perdido. Now, a couple things I want to mention before, before I move on. When we talk about arpeggio and scale motion, it's really important for you to know that a scale, for, for me, scale motion is as simple as three notes, right? That's scale motion. So we typically, when we hear someone talk about scales, we want to hear, we think in our mind something like this. We're thinking this big long line of notes that that span an octave or more and that's not the case i want you to rethink scales 
a scale can be as simple as three notes. That's scale motion. Right? It happens to be the, the root second and third of that sound, but nevertheless, it's scale motion. And my arpeggio can be simply two notes. That's it. So when I speak about scale motion, when I talk about scale motion and arpeggio motion, I'm not saying that you're running up and down multiple octaves with your scale or with your arpeggio. I want you to think of scales as being intervallic. A scale can be a third. A scale can be a fifth. A scale can be a seventh, the distance of a seventh, right? An arpeggio can move the distance of a third or a distance of a fifth or the distance of a seventh and so on. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to use scales and arpeggios that move the distance of a third. I'm going to model everything using that scale, right? So all of my scales are going to be three notes, and all my arpeggios are going to be two notes. And I'm doing this for simplistic purposes because I really want you to digest this concept before we expand it to a scale being the distance of a fifth or the scale being the distance of a seventh and likewise with arpeggios. Okay, so I'm going to slow the tempo down. We've, I've been doing the demonstrations up to this point at 140. I'm going to slow everything down to 120 because I, I want you to, be, to hear this scale motion and this arpeggio motion with the enclosures. And one other side note, my scales and my arpeggios are all going to be focused on the root to the third. So for C minor, it's going to be from the C to the E flat. On the F dominant, it's going to be from the F to the A. On the B flat major, it's going to be from the B flat to the D. Make sense? Okay. And the bridge, the D dominant, is going to go from D to F sharp. So I am literally creating a formulaic process here that I'm going to utilize to help me get familiar with adding enclosures and get for, and to help me um, minimize my options so that my creativity can surface, right? That's the secret to creative practicing is you minimize your options. So we're going to stick with scales and arpeggios that only travel the distance of a third and I'm going to be launching those scales and those arpeggios from the root of each sound. So I'm being very, very formulaic in order for me to conceptually and orally and physically digest the jazz piano skills that I'm trying to get under my fingers. All right? So let's bring the ensemble back in. Let's play a chorus of Perdido at 120. And I'm going to experiment with arpeggio motion only. But I'm going to add enclosures, right? I'm going to add enclosures to my arpeggio motion. That's it. No scale motion. Just arpeggio motion. So let's bring the ensemble back in. Let's check this out. Slowing the tempo down to 120. Let's see what we think. Here we go.
it's pretty amazing, isn't it? That just using two notes, an arpeggio consisting of two notes, and adding an enclosure around the root, because I'm just using the root in third, and adding an enclosure around one of the notes, the root, all of a sudden it doesn't sound so much like a simple two-note arpeggio. It actually starts to sound a lot more involved and a lot more complicated than that. But the point is, even when we start adding ornamentation to our two-note arpeggio, you have to be able to see through that ornamentation and see only the arpeggio, right? So another way, and another way of saying it is, when we brush away all the fancy smancy stuff, the primary notes should still be standing, the root and the third, my two notes of my arpeggio, right? So this is why we restrict and minimize the range when we practice because we're really trying to establish, solidify our harmonic vision, our ability to see the arpeggio through the ornamentation, through the enclosure. If you lose the arpeggio, the enclosure is only going to have one effect. And that effect is it's going to mess you up. <laughs> You're going to get lost, right? So our harmonic vision has to be crystal clear. Okay, so now I'm going to do the exact same thing with the very next demonstration. Okay, demonstration number six. I'm going to use just scale motion, my three note scales, right? From the root to the third of each chord, from the minor, from the dominant, and the major, and then all those dominant chords in the circle, uh, moving in circle motion uh, in the bridge. So I'm going to use three note scales, and I'm going to place an enclosure around the root, primarily, uh, of my scales, all right? So again, I'm going to play at a tempo of 120 because I really want you to hear uh, this motion, this scale motion with the added enclosures. And I'm going to just kind of ascend through the sounds and descend through the sounds using these three note scales with added enclosures. All right, so let's bring the ensemble in. Let's check it out and see what we think. Here we go. Pretty fancy schmancy indeed, right? But I'm just thinking three note scales ascending and descending from the root of each chord and then decorated that three note scale with an enclosure. That's it. And again, if I lose my three note scale, if my harmonic vision gets foggy, then I got trouble, right? So the whole focus here is to be able to continue to see my scale through the enclosure. I want you to think about that. That's very important. And think about it especially when you're practicing, okay? So, of course, I demonstrated adding enclosures to two-note arpeggios. And I just demonstrated adding enclosures to three-note scales. So now 
I want to do a combo. Again, I'm keeping everything very formulaic. I'm limiting my options. I can only use two-note arpeggios. I can only use three-note scales. And I'm going to add an enclosure around the root. That's it. So I'm limiting my options so that I can develop creativity. So that I can learn how to improvise. So that I can develop jazz language, vocabulary. Okay, so now let's bring the ensemble back in. Again, the tempo is 120, nice and slow. And I want to use a combination of two-note arpeggios and three-note scales with added enclosures for ornamentation. So let's see what I can come up with. Let's see what this sounds like. So here we go. Let's check it out. pretty amazing. It is amazing indeed, right? When we limit our options, how creative we can become. Now, what's really interesting, the question that I always get from students when I start laying out these methodical and formulaic uh, ways of practicing, the, the question that I always get asked, Dr. Lawrence, do you actually think like that when you play? And the answer, of course, is no, I do not think like that when I play. I think like that when I practice. When I play, I rely on conceptual, oral, and physical memory to respond to the musical stimuli that I'm hearing, right? But if I have no conceptual or oral or physical memory when I'm playing, I'm in big trouble. So I have to think in a very methodical and formulaic way in order to develop those skills that I can take to the bandstand, that I can use when playing with other musicians or even just playing solo piano. So yes, I think like that when I practice, and then I let the fruits of my labor take over when I play. So I want to demonstrate that right now. I'm going to play... Uh, Perdido. I'm going to play the head. I'm going to improvise a chorus and then play the head again. I'm going to kick the tempo back up to 140. And now I'm going to take those skills, those jazz piano skills that we've just listened to, that we just discussed, and I'm going to utilize them. And I'm going to play and have a little fun with Perdido. So let's bring the ensemble in. Let's have some fun. And let's play Juan Teasel's Perdido. Here we go.
Wow. <laughs> Great tune. Great tune to play. So listen, tons of information today. We unpacked a ton of information. And I just want to stress once again that you have to have a methodical and formulaic approach to develop to developing improvisational skills. So what exactly does that mean? I say it a lot, but what the, exactly does that mean? I'm sure that many of you are asking, how do I know if I'm applying a methodical approach when practicing? And it's a great question. So here's the answer. You are using a methodical approach to improvisation development if you're practicing key centers like a 2-5-1 progression. If you practice sections of a form of music, like an A section, like a B section. If you practice in various keys. And if you practice various grooves. If you're doing those things, then you are utilizing a methodical approach when practicing. And likewise, many of you are probably asking, well, how do I know if I'm applying a formulaic approach when practicing? And again, it's a great question. And again, here's the answer. You are using a formulaic approach to improvisation development if you determine motion before you start to play. Scale motion or arpeggio motion. You determine the direction of that motion, ascending or descending. You determine ornamentation. We're going to use encircling or cyclical quadruplets or half-step approachments and so on. And if you determine placement, I'm going to ornament beat one or beat two or beat three or beat three, uh, beat four. If you are applying those concepts, if you're consciously aware of applying those concepts, then you are using a formulaic approach to practicing. Once you begin to conceptually, orally, and physically recognize that a methodical and formulaic approach is needed to begin developing musical creativity, to improvising, then you are on your way to becoming an accomplished jazz musician, an accomplished jazz pianist. Well, I hope you have found this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson, exploring Juan Teasel's Perdido, to be insightful and, of course, beneficial. Don't forget, if you are a Jazz Piano Skills member, I will see you online Thursday evening at the Jazz Piano Skills Masterclass, 8 p.m. Central Time to discuss this podcast episode lesson on Perdido in greater detail and to answer any questions that you may have about the study of jazz in general. Again, as a Jazz Panel Skills member, be sure to use the educational podcast packets, the illustrations, the lead sheets, the play-alongs for this podcast lesson. And be sure to use the Jazz Panel Skills courses to maximize your musical growth. And likewise, make sure you are an active participant in the Jazz Panel Skills community. Get involved and contribute to the various forums. Make some new jazz piano friends. Always a great thing to do. As always, you can reach me by phone, 972-380-8050, extension 211, by email, Dr. Lawrence, that's Lawrence at jazzpianoskills.com, or by SpeakPipe, found throughout the Jazz Piano Skills website. Well, there's my cue. That's it for now. And until next week, enjoy Perdido. Enjoy the journey. And most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano. <laughs>